the Boston players love But Michael Jordan is not only the best basketball player, but he's the most exciting basketball player to ever play. Tatum fires away, pumps it in. The Big Three NBA Podcast is powered by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Big Three NBA Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Bonnie Lunas, joined, as always, by H.R. Blakely and Gary Washburn. Welcome. Happy new Thanksgiving week year. <laughs> what is Gary? You ever, go, you ever go down the road and realize you're on the wrong road, but you're too far down, you can't Honestly. After Thanksgiving, everyone was checked out. All right, for me, it's already New Year's. How was your Thanksgiving? I get you. Blame it on the turkey. Happy New Thanksgiving week. That's a year. Year. Gary, she don't know what she's doing. That was just like just say Merry New Year. Just just go trading. Merry New Year. There we go. Just go trading places. All right. I do know that reference, by the way. Yeah, I don't know. Well I'll done. Thank you. Well done, Quanny. Well, I, I asked how your Thanksgiving was. You didn't answer. Who? What happened? Both of you. How was your Thanksgiving? It was good. It was good. It was good. Yeah. I was. I actually. I went through your hood for a little bit, Quanny, in Jersey. I was on my way to Maryland. You say that like you're not from Jersey as well. I don't know why you're in denial. It's your, I, I officially. It, it's. It, I officially call it your hood because you spend more time there than I did. I actually uh, don't. Well, I did. Yeah, I did spend more time at home. But Quanny, where were you for Thanksgiving? Home, but I you okay. said I okay, whatever. You're still in denial. Jersey is an amazing place. Gary oh, it is, it's definitely amazing. <laughs> you <laughs> you damn sure right about that. All right, we'll get into the Celtics. I guess that's why people are tuned in. Let's talk about their most recent win, which was a blowout against the Bulls. They advanced to the in-season tournament knockout round, which people I don't I didn't realize some people hate this in-season tournament more than I I thought they would, but what is okay? First of all, let's address the comments about the fact that Drew Holiday and Jalen Brown did not seem happy about the fact that they had to literally blow out this team to win. Obviously, they had to get the 23 points to make sure that they secured that next round. But what did you do? You guys think it's that big of a deal that yes, they had to embarrass the Bulls, but I mean, the game is the game. The Bulls could have showed up too. I didn't think it was that. Well, I think it is that deep, and it's, yeah. it's to me, it's it's deep because this is one of the few issues where you will find players and coaches arm in arm on this issue because yeah. no one really likes to be the the Goliath uh, when you don't have to be. The, the Celtics could have easily beaten the Bulls at like 65 percent full strength. But in order to beat them by 23 points or more, they had to give a little bit more. And it feels weird uh, for an NBA player to go out there trying to blow a team out. And, um, and th- again, this is not a hot take, but I'm like 99.9% sure that when the offseason gets, comes around again, yeah, players association, coaches association are going to go at Adam Silver and be like, look, you need to get rid of this point differential as one of the tiebreakers, or certainly not one of the primary tiebreakers. To me, Seriously. the logical thing for them to have done was to go through, you know, whoever has the best record, that's the team that goes on. Candace Parker said. Whoever has the next best record in the Eastern Conference or the Western Conference, they also get the wild card spot. I like that. That, to me, makes a lot of sense, and I, I would not be surprised if the league comes up with that type of tweak for this uh, in-season tournament going forward. But other than that, I mean, I think it's going better than I think a lot of people thought it would. I'm, I'm curious what Gary's thoughts are. Well, I agree. I think the they'll probably adjust the point differential thing. Um, I do think it was a big deal. But I also think it was a situation for the Celtics where they were kind of running into a situation in Chicago where the Bulls are just a, a total mess. And... You combine the, the Bulls with being five and fourteen with all that talent they have, and I'm not saying. And I was talking with some other uh, writers last night about this. Like, I'm not saying the Bulls should be the top of the Eastern Conference at all, but they are a 500 team. They got Demar Derozan, Nikola Vucevic, Zach Levine, Alex Caruso, Kobe White, Patrick Williams. Like, they have talent. Like, 
They got a bunch of t- lottery people. Like they have talent. There is something wrong there. They are literally checking out. Like Jack Levine ha- had an injured foot. He was one for nine. Vucevic, who usually kills the Celtics, had eight points. Like DeRozan kind of showed up, and then he kind of was like, "All right, I'm good. I'm done enough. I scored my 19." Like they just were. They were. They laid down, and then the Celtics were like, "Well, if we're up." 30, we might as well finish this off. And that's where it became kind of interesting because it was one of those games where let's say it was a normal NBA game. The Celtics are up 28 in the third quarter. They put in all their uh, guys at the end of the bench. And then the Bulls, let's say, outscoring by 12. The Celtics win by 16. You know, it's a normal NBA win. No one's feeling bad, you know, whatever. The, the, the Bulls bench guys are better or scoring more than the Celtics bench guys because they're taking advantage of their playing time. But in this situation, the Celtics had to like not lose the quarter, fourth quarter by, what was it, seven points. So they had something to play for. So there's Jason in the game. So it just got really awkward and it was uncomfortable to watch. And I just don't think the NBA wants uncomfortable situations when you're talking about any game where it's running, you're visibly running up the score or you're, and I'm, you know, and I know people are like, well, you know, the whole Andre Drummond situation, fouling him with a, a 30, you know, a bad free throw shooter. So I'm like, hey, you know, get better at free throw shooting. They won't do that to you. Like, I get it. It's a, it's, it's pretty simple and it's a hard court. And, and, and Andre has been in the league now when 12 years, 13, 13 years now. So he's not improved at his free throw shooting. So, He's got he 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 did for a minute, then he's not good now. So unfortunately for the for the for me, I don't think it was um I think it was just uncomfortable. And I think the Celtics also ran in a situation where they were playing a team that's a complete mess. Like they're gonna make some the Chicago look they were embarrassing last night. Like they were half going through, they were half speed. Levine was hurt. Okay, he was trying to play hurt, he didn't look right. You know, they just looked like, man, we're not together. And I looked at Billy Donovan. Billy Donovan looks like he's about 73 years old now. I mean, he looked old. I just looked at him close up. And he was like, you know, you remember him before your time, Kwani, when he played at Providence or whatever in the mid-80s. And he was Billy the Kid, and he ain't Billy the Kid no more. He Billy the, he, he, he Billy the AARP recipient. Not the AAR, Billy the Crypt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he is the, the Bulls are turning him old. Aged him, yeah. Yeah, it's just he looked so he looked weathered last night, and I feel bad for him. But it's also just sometimes you put together teams and it don't work, and they they mm-hmm. they don't. They brought traded for Levine. They got the Jimmy Butler deal. Vucevic. They got him for Wendell Carter. They got they signed DeRozan or got DeRozan from San Antonio. Oh, we we got our big three. It sounded good and it has not worked. So I can't blame the Celtics entirely, but it was awkward and uncomfortable. And I think the NBA needs to avoid that. Sorry for the long answer. No, no, you. I think you're making very fair points. But then again, like I understand the sentiment of Jalen Brown and Drew Holiday. But then it, when you look at the opposite end of the spectrum, it's like the onus. I think kind of is on the Bulls. Yes, they suck, but like y'all can't just lay, like even though that's obviously what they did, you can't just lay down and embarrass yourself. You're still a professional basketball team. I get it. You Shots weren't going in, whatever the case may be, but I don't know. It's it's a trick. I, I think it's still tricky because I'm like, as a competitor, what are you going to do? Like you, as a Celtics, you should keep playing. What are you going to do to stop? There's, there's no mercy rule. Like, you gotta keep the only thing you could, you could you you would have put the you would have put the the guys Banton and and those guys bench players Lamar Stevens and then it would have yeah. been the Bulls bench you guys mean. against the Celtics bench guys but usually in that situation as we all know the team with the losing team usually makes a run That's and the Celtics point. bench guys have, have gotten hundred guys come up <laughs> yeah and then suddenly you've lost that twenty three point lead you need to have. And Joe could have done that and they could have been eliminated. But I just think they saw the end, the light at the end of the tunnel was like, well, we're here now. So we might as well get this done. Yeah. And the, no, thing, the, the, the thing that that jumped out to me as I was watching the last few minutes of that game and and, you know, that that exchange between Joe 
and, and Billy Donovan. I personally, uh, from a petty standpoint, I really enjoyed that because I understood where Billy Donovan was coming from because he's just like, why are you running up to score my boys? And Joe was just like, because we're trying to get to Vegas. I mean, what? What? <laughs> exactly. I enjoyed that. But the thing, the thing that it reminded me of is something that Joe uh, said uh, or he talked about, about after they beat Toronto and Toronto coaches got all the huff and puff because Joe called, you know, did a challenge late in the game. Joe did that challenge because he was sticking up for his player who said that was a BS call made against me. Joe, I think, is slowly but surely throwing out these little breadcrumbs that show that there's a different kind of trust that he has with his team and a different kind of trust they have with him. He could Joe could have easily said, you know what? We don't really need the Vegas thing. We're trying to win a championship at the end of the season. Let's just make sure I keep Tatum and these guys healthy. We'll win this thing by 17, and we won't go to Vegas. But there was something said in that locker room by the players. which was just like, yo, let's go get this trip to Vegas, y'all. I know it might get a little uncomfortable, and we might have to crack that head maybe one time too many because clearly they were the better team. But we need to play like we want to we win this thing big. And Joe's like, you know what? Okay. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make sure we're in position to win this thing by enough points so we can get to Vegas. And, again, I, I, I see these. I see the Toronto situation. I see this situation as more ammo for Joe building up this, stock, this, this stockpile of trust that these guys have in him and vice versa. And when we start talking about winning a championship and getting into those games where your coach is telling you something that really don't make a whole lot of sense that you should do, but, damn it, he believes in it, you are going to try and do it. You're going to try and execute it because you have built a different kind of trust with this guy than what you had a year ago. And I just think that's so important to acknowledge and understand that's part of what Joe's doing. He didn't run up the score because he wants to make the Bulls look bad. He ran up the score because he wanted to get his team to Vegas. And, and his players wanted to go to Vegas. And I know Tatum and Drew, they, they, you know, they, they, they got in their feelings after the game, feeling bad for the Bulls because they beat them down worse than they probably ha- had to. But they understand at the end of the day, you're trying to put yourself in the best position to be one of the best teams. And this, you know, in-season tournament, it's a big deal. It's what we've all been talking about. And they had a chance to put themselves in position to go there. And, you know, let's be real. They're going to go in as the favorites coming out of the East, if we're being honest and candid. Um, and they should feel that way. They have the best record in the NBA. You should win a tournament like this if you got the best record in the NBA. So to your point, I want to bring up once again the comments that Jalen made because you mentioned that clearly there is a trust that's building between the coach and his players, but also, and I wonder if it has to do with the fact that, like you mentioned, that like is a member of the Players Association of Vice President and does have to advocate on behalf of the players. So when he mentioned that the decision to keep playing was a coaching decision, and he basically sounded as though not necessarily that he was reluctant, but it's it more of like, yeah, I got to do what my coach tells me. Is that an implication that, again, he already mentioned that he doesn't agree with the methods, but is that an implication that that trust is fully there as much as you're saying it is? I think that's part of it because because yeah. Jalen, and we know Jalen well enough to know that if he ain't rocking with you, he's going to low-key let it be known. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I think back to the whole Kyrie Irving situation yeah. where, you know, the trust doesn't start at the bottom, it starts at the top. Translation: mm-hmm. Why are you coming at us? You're coming at yourself. That mm-hmm. wasn't the case here. He's basically saying that Joe, you know, Joe made a decision, and we're gonna rock with that decision. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's part of the growth. Uh, that has to be part of the growth. But it, to me, in this particular instance, I think it also speaks to the fact that this decision to have all these specific rules was not a unanimous decision among the players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's clear as hell that it was not a unanimous decision. And I don't know if anyone really thought the the whole uh, point differential thing would be this big a deal. But when you start thinking about it, you basically have to blow out teams to get mm-hmm. to, to move on uh, to the knockout round. That's what they had to do. And that's mm-hmm. an uncomfortable thing to do because NBA players, and we've seen this happen time and time again, they think in both the short and long term. Short term, we want to win these games now. Long term, we want to stay healthy enough to win games later. By having to blow this team out, by having to play Tatum more minutes than you normally would and Jalen more minutes than you normally would in a blowout game, you run the risk of your long-term health situation. Yeah. And this is a team that is already, Porzingis has missed games. It's still out. Drew Holiday's missed games. 
Derek White, Mr. You know, indestructible. He's missed games and he's been questionable with some of the illnesses. You go down the line and you want to minimize as much as you can any opportunity for guys to have a physical setback. And this scenario is completely counter to that. You're going to have to play your main guys more minutes because, as, as Gary pointed out, that bench of Chicago, I don't care how trash they've been all game long, they were going to outscore the Celtics bench. There's, I'm 100% that was going to happen. And that could have potentially put them in a position where they don't go on to Vegas uh, or have a potential to go on to Vegas and go to the knockout rounds. So I, I think Jalen gets it, but I, he doesn't li- I don't think he liked the idea that they had to blow him out to do it. I could be overthinking it, but the differential aspect as well, is there not a level of like an ethics concern? Because the first thing I thought about was just betting in, in general. And we already know how messy it's gotten when it comes to sports betting in general. So if I'm a player or a coach or, you know, someone on the staff, what could they like, how could they not possibly, again, I, I haven't really fully flushed this out, but like, think about the betting aspect of like, all right, well, we know we have to win t- by 23 and then like the point saving scandals like that's a possibility or unless I I'm misconstruing it but like I feel like that should be something that's in play as well because that's something you can actually control for the most part as a player sometimes yeah we, we should take a negative I got some thoughts on it. we should, should take though well I think an easy bet when you get these games will probably be the over where you okay. know that teams are trying to pile up points mm-hmm. if you look at the Milwaukee sorry the um Toronto Brooklyn game last night. I think the 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 uh Nets were up like 108 100 with like a minute left and then literally won 115 103 like they scored 7 points in the last they were trying to catch the Celtics in terms of point differential and they scored 7 points in the last minute uh and won 115 103 so again that was really I think it was like 97 96 with three minutes left ended up being a 12 point Nets win because the Nets are like, we have to pile up the points. The same last week in Orlando where the magic had the Celtics beat and scored seven points in the last 62 seconds, including a basket with nine seconds left. And I kind of wondered watching, I kind of forgot. I was like, why are they, why is like Wagner still in the game? Franz Wagner. And he's, shooting a jumper with like nine seconds left. Like, what's up with that? But it ended up being a margin thing. So I do think that ethics comes into it. And these players, as I wrote today in the Globe, like we're, we as basketball fans, former basketball players, or whenever you played ball competitively. I'm in a the former streets. basketball player. <laughs> okay, yeah. You, you, you people like you, Kwani, um, are taught to play a certain way. You're taught not to run up the score. You're taught not to, um, you know, embarrass your opponent. And in this situation, you sort of have to. You know, you're taught, that's the thing about what I think is going away from the thinking of uh, this in-season tournament. A, you know, win, B, win, uh, you know, win by a lot of points. You know, it's like college football. Oregon is trying to get to the playoff, so they're going to run up the score. You know, they beat my Cal Bears 63 to 19. Did they need to really yeah. score? Did they Did really you need to that score? Back, Gary? 63 to 19? 63 19. Did they really need to score 63 points in that game? No. But they're trying to make people, they're trying to make the, the voters look good for the college football playoff. So we're turning this into college football in a sense, this in-season tournament where you're, you know, if you if you win by only a touchdown, well, that's not a very impressive. And so you got to win by seven touchdowns. You got to run up the score. You got to keep throwing the ball in the last few minutes. Like in basketball, it's never been like that. You win, you win. Um, you pull your starters out, you know, that's the whole thing about the, the Toronto thing, uh, with Dennis Schroeder having a problem, like you don't challenge your play, you let it go. You got us beat. You ain't, tr- why are you trying to rub it in? Why are you, why are you trying to humiliate us? So this is goes away from our conventional thinking as basketball fans and players. 
And that's what makes this whole thing uncomfortable is that you don't want to see that. It was uncomfortable to see them like it was interesting. It was fascinating. It's more, more, one of the more interesting blowout games I've ever covered because, you know, you're like, ooh, they've got to hit this shot. Um, you know, the kid, uh, the kid who always kills the Celtics, his name, um, Ao Dasunamu, hold on, then yeah, Dasamu, I can't remember pronounce it. I, I always butcher his name. Ao. Okay, random the- idea. I think needs to be made. I don't know if I've ever said this on the pod, but there needs to be a database where the players say their first and last name. Yeah. Once but, they get drafted, whatever, not, not not the commissioner, not a coach, they say on this database. So whenever you need a pronunciation guide, it's yeah, online. That's, that's right, Kwani. Anyway, so, don't feel my idea. When y'all. you look, when you look at, I mean, he was he was scoring, and and um, you know, what's the kid's name? Had eight points. <laughs> oh, Javon Carter yeah. came off. He hit a three. I mean, he he hit a couple of jumpers. Like it was like, uh oh. Like, oh my God, this guy I've never heard of, uh, Julian Phillips here, or Dalen Terry is in the game. You know, no relation to Jason. Terry. Yeah, <laughs> Julian Phillips went to the free throw line. You're like, ooh, if he hits both, he hit, he split a free throw. You're like, oh, you know, like you're saying here. So this is this is crazy. I'm, I'm I'm following. I'm hoping or seeing or whatever. If you're a fan that. These guys that I've never heard of don't score. And then I'm yeah. hoping if you're a fan that, you know, Sam Hauser hits a three to put him up 33. Like, so it just, it added another element to the game that was interesting, but I don't know if it was necessary because it did, it kind of made you feel bad about the whole situation. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. All right, moving on. On Monday, the Celtics will be playing Indiana at Indiana. Friday, they're playing Philly. But what do you think about the Indiana matchup and what should we be looking forward to with that specifically? They're scrappy. That, that's, that's a good team. They're, they're playing good basketball, uh, playing a little bit, I think, above where I think some people thought. But to me, I, I, I bring, I, for me, it comes down to the BDB effect. BDB, that's Bruce Brown. He has been oh, yeah. that guy. I mean, you look at what he did at Denver. He didn't put up great numbers. In fact, his numbers in Indiana are almost identical. And when you look at points, average, rebounds per game, and assists per game, that's what he did in Denver. Uh, but he's just a guy that has a presence out there. You know, particularly in clutch situation, he, he's played in as many – he's one of the league leaders in games played in, in clutch situations. Uh, and his plus-minus in those situations is really good. So Bruce Brown is one of those guys that we're about. And, and Tyrese Halliburton – I mean, he's an Austin. Uh, I think he's one of the most underappreciated rising stars in the game. Uh, when you look at his playmaking, his shot-making ability, his, his facilitation skills, he really is a, one of the more complete players that we have in the NBA now. So it's going to be it's going to be a tough game for the Celtics, but they're not going to blow in the Indian blow them out by 30 or 35 points, but I do expect them to win. Yeah, a couple things here. One, the Celtics, remember – 
beat the Pacers by 55 points in their first meeting. Two, Halliburton didn't play in that game. So Indiana's going to have some payback. Two, the game is at Indiana. But Indiana's lost some games at home recently. They lost to the Blazers the other night. Um, it was funny. Like, I think they were they're 4-0 in the play-in tournament. And I think five and seven or six and seven in other games. So they just, they flipped the switch for the play-in tournament. Obviously it will be a difficult game. Like Sherrod said, um, Indiana looking for the payback. They're there. They can score a lot of points. Um, but I do think the Celtics are the better team than a deeper team. And we'll see how it all goes with, you know, the Miles Turner matchup also to look out for, you know, is Porzingis going to be back for that game? He's got the sore calf. He, I saw him, you know, he was taking some shots on the floor before the game against he the Bulls. Or vodka. Huh? I'm sorry. Uh, I said tequila or vodka. He said shots. I'm anyway. pretending like I didn't know what you were meaning, Corny. I didn't say anything. I know everyone is sick of me. I'm sorry. To our, our loyal viewers. <laughs> Yeah, you had too much I Thanksgiving. Know, I don't know. For Thanksgiving. Happy, happy, happy Thanksgiving year. What's wrong with her? What's I wrong? Mean, I hear shots. I'm like, all right, what, what's this preference? Jumpers with a I'm basketball, Kwani. I know, I know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> he, he was taking jumpers, before, but he wasn't moving. It wasn't like he was he was doing like you know moving around. He was just taking stationary shots, but yeah. he was walking around. Um, so who knows if he'll be ready for that game. That's another element. And I said, the Patriots will have payback, and I'm sure they'll make their adjustments and try to get this. It'll be a big deal for them to get to Vegas. Um, so the Celtics are going to have a, a real game on their hands. Now, honestly, it's the best matchup they could have hoped for, though, To be, if you want to be honest. You know, did you did they, they want to play the Bucs? You know, even, you know, it could have been the Knicks or the Bucks too. You know, the, the the Knicks probably would have been a bigger, a, a big challenge with Julius Randle and those guys. Um, so I think they got the best matchup possible in this. And then, you know, you if you win, you likely face the Bucks in the semis. But I think it's going to be a tough game for them. Not that they'll lose, but I just think they can't. You know, they're not going to win by 55. Um, they've had trouble in Indiana over the last few years, winning there, they've they've had some some tough losses out there. So I f- expect a very difficult game. But if the Celtics defend the way they're supposed to defend, hit shots, Jason and Jalen are all both engaged with Drew and Derek White. There's no reason why they shouldn't win by eight to ten points. And I think to your point, the and I again the in-season tournament has, I think, been a little more controversial than it should have been. But the fact that we are in the middle of the regular season and we're seeing matchups that already existed, but now the stakes are a little bit higher, I think it actually does make basketball a little more exciting. Of course, Again, they have to iron out the logistics, I think, of this tournament if it's going to continue to exist in the league. But I think it's worth trying and continuing. You mentioned Porzingis, like you mentioned, that calf, he remains out as of now. And that was an issue when he was, when they decided that he was going to be on this team. Like everyone knew that injuries were a part of who he is. But is there a level of concern just yet? He's already been injured a few times this season? Or, I mean, is that just kind of the, the day-to-day of the league? There's always going to be some concern about injuries with Porzingis just because of his track record. It, it, it's it's unavoidable. Um, but at the end of the day, you're hoping to get him for 60, 65 games this year, and they seem still, even with him being sidelined, still well on track to making that happen. Uh, I would be more concerned if it were an injury where there was a clear and undeniable, ooh, that injury looked really painful moment, or one where they're not basically having a timeline for when – he may return. Like they're saying, he'll be reevaluated in a week. Uh, that was their initial diagnosis, which, you know, more, more than likely means he'll be out a couple of weeks. And if you're the Celtics, that's okay. Uh, the one of the, one of the downsides to getting to, you know, the, uh, the knockout runs was that they may have had a few more days to rest for Zingas. Uh, but uh, again, if he's able to go, he'll go. And if he's not, they've shown the ability to play around that. Uh, and, and so that's the, you know, the fact that you don't have back-to-back dynamics and all of this means you can utilize Al and not have to worry about not having both Al 
and Porzingis out. So I think they'll be all right. I'm not I'm not particularly concerned about it to the point where I'm ready to the panic button just yet. Yeah. Gary. I think you have to be concerned anytime Porzingis gets hurt because of his history. But this doesn't sound like a major injury, although calves can be tricky. So it sounded like, I mean, what we were told, the MRI was, you know, just a strain and that just takes some time off of it. You know, rehab, um, get it stronger, and then he'll be back on the floor. So that's a good thing. And I, we all do, I think, ever understand that uh, Porzingis wasn't going to play 82 games. And he might not play 70 games. If you get 65 out of him, I said that's a that's a really good season for him. You get you get him through 65 games and he's healthy for the postseason. That's an achievement. That's what you want. Okay. So he's missed a few games here and there now uh with the calf, but he's been mostly durable. Um, so I think that that's that's good news that he played in back to backs. Um, it's not like they're resting him. So maybe he just needs to, you know, get a, give him a week off or whatever. It's been, you know, five days. And I think, you know, uh, we'll see what happens next Monday because I, I, you know, I'd be highly doubtful to play Friday against Philadelphia. But I think, you know, maybe coming back on uh, that Monday game or even get him an extra couple of days if, we, if you can eke out a win against Indiana and maybe bring him back for the semifinal game on that Thursday. And that would be like almost two weeks since the injury. So, you know, you just got to strategize. But I also think, honestly, um, one thing that, that that Joe is starting to understand, in my opinion, Missoula, is you have a bench. So he's playing Delano Banton some. And Delano's starting to play better. And Banton has been, um, you know, a guy It's like, okay, was he more of a project? I remember Brad Stevens told me, before the season, like when we don't have first round picks because they've traded them all, you know, you've got to find guys to develop, right? You got to find, you got to, you, you got to pluck guys from other organizations to develop. And I think in that sense, I thought Banton was that one of those guys like, Hey, he might not do much this year, but like Sam Hauser was last year, the year before that, he's a developed guy to where in a year or two, he's really going to be a, a guy out coming off the bench that can help you. Maybe they see him and the, the process has been sped, sped up. I don't know what's up with Oshie, Shiraz's buddy, O'Shea Brissett. Um, he is not shot. Of the year. He is not. I think he's hit one, one shot this year, one, one three. I don't think – I don't know what's going on, but he's not playing. But the guy that I'm looking – that I think is, is, is someone to look – he didn't play last night, but the Nemius, Nemius Kata – Mm-hmm. is a guy that I think can help them. And I think, what? <laughs> I don't know. He was laughing, so I started laughing. What y'all laughing about? I don't know. I think you said it right. The proper enunciation of Kata. I was impressed, Gary. Kata, yeah. Made me smile. Did, yeah. I didn't say Quita. I said Kata. Yeah. No, you did. You said it correctly. It's just Whatever, man. Anyway. So, if you're looking at like he had came off the bench, had 10 boards and in the in in the win over the Atlanta Hawks. And I just think it gives them a chance to look at him more now. Who, you know, I'm sure he'll get some minutes against the, the Embiid and those those and Paul Reed and, and the Sixers because they need some beef and they need some toughness in that paint. So if this is a time for Joe to look at the you look at the bench and say, okay, I don't have Porzingis. I didn't have Derek White. Drew Holiday missed a couple of games. This is what I have. Then I'm 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 all for it because I just think they have to find their what's what they can get from their bench. Like they're not playing Lamar Stevens. I don't know why. They're not playing Brissett, but at least they're playing Banton and now Kia. So so find out what you got because that's what that's what they're supposed to do and sometimes you might have to give up a game or give up you don't want to give up a game but stretches because you want to see what Banton has as a you know they started him the other night against Atlanta they played him some quality minutes against Chicago we'll see what happens against Philadelphia but I think you got to find out and in, in, in some ties with holiday out and now Porzingis you got to find out and I just think they need to find out like if you think that Luke Cornett is like your Backup center, 
who can take you through the season. Good luck. I just I don't think that's the case. I think he has a role on this team, but I also think they need a dog in that dog in that fight fight in the paint. Somebody that that can get prevent offensive rebounds. Not let you know offensive rebounds allowing them has been a big issue with this team. Getting stops and here comes somebody just to tip it in because um, he's got a free run to the rim. So they, they you got to block out. And you got to get tough and you got to grab the ball. And I, too many times I've seen with Cornette, somebody just take the ball from him. He gets the rebounds on happened last night against the Bulls. He, he, oh, he's got the he's got the board. Oh, no, he doesn't. And there are the Bulls running down the court because someone just took it from him. So I think it's a good time for Joe to look at his bench. And if that means, you know, and we'll see if he he gives. Stevens and Brissette a chance because I just think they can contribute too. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch to busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things that I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because that is what you are looking to do when you're looking to make a hire. You don't want to dilly-dally around with trying to go through candidates X, Y, Z, knowing that X is probably needs to be X and Y is the reason why you're doing this and Z is just, just hanging out there. You want to be able to hire in a timely fashion and Indeed is a great, great, great way of making that happen. One of the keys to Indeed is their ability to leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, which allows Indeed to have the type of matching search engine that's constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. So listeners out there to this show, you get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash A-List. Just go to Indeed.com slash A-List right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash A-List. Terms and conditions apply. You need to hire. You need Indeed. Someone we haven't talked about on this episode just yet is Derek White and our guy, Bobby Manning. He talked to DeMar DeRozan, who plays for the Bulls now, about his time with White when they were in San Antonio playing for Coach Pop. And DeRozan told Bobby that Pop was on his ass every day. Right now, Derek White, 13.9 points per game, five assists per game, three rebounds per game. He's definitely improved his... I mean, it's just looking at the performance he had in the playoffs, he's just built upon that, obviously, throughout the end of the year, but, of course, this year as well. So, I mean, what, like, obviously, it's obviously what he contributes to this team, but, like, did you expect this fast of a growth, growing curve for Derek White? What you got, Gary? I'm surprised and, and pleasantly and, and people are you just hating on Derek White like I wasn't going to say that but I did think but Gary you hate I on think, everyone and everyone's opinion so that's I, <laughs> I, I, I don't think I was hating on Derek White I just did not think he had a good first half of the season when he came over in 22 yeah. right I don't think he was the and player you weren't alone in that perspective yeah, I don't think he had a good stretch yeah. that half season now it could have been not comfortable with the offense getting traded for the first time all mm-hmm. the things that happen so I'm not, yeah. yeah i'm not you know i'm not jumping on Derek, but i did not think he was a, a had a very good stretch he has turned himself he is i mean tremendous strides i mean just unbelievable strides as a player he's a completely different player than he was when he got here like Absolutely. it's just and I'm not, that's not hating on him. That's not saying he's tra- nothing. That's just me. He's a he's a completely different player, more confident. I just think he's one of those guys where confidence really matters to him. Some guys don't care. Sarads, a lot of Sarads, you know, uh, guys in the, in the Pistons and 
know, we, you know, we know guys like Jordan Crawford and dudes that were just like, you know, they go over 20 and they still got mad swag. Derek's one of those guys who needs to play well in order to keep playing well, right? He's confidence is a big deal to him. And I think that he didn't get his, he didn't get much confidence from that first stretch, but he got, got settled, you know, in a personal life too. Now he's a dad of two. Obviously he's had, he's had two children since he's been in Boston, you know, with his wife and he's settled and he's comfortable. And I just think that really mattered to him where other guys can come in right away and make a splash. Where, give, give me the ball. I'm going to score it. I don't care where, you know, it was like, we all expect, remember when Isaiah Thomas got to Boston and he just, uh, boom, all of a sudden it's like, okay, this dude will need to start pretty soon. He, this coming off the bench thing ain't working for him. He's like, he taking somebody's minutes. Like guys come in, some guys had that swag, come in, immediately make an impact. Derek White took his time, but I think he's a tremendous player. I think he's done a great job in the last year and a half or year plus. And he came back and, and adjusted because I just thought he wasn't, you know, after game one of the finals, remember it was like, oh, Derek's there. And then Derek, Derek did not play well the last five games of the NBA finals. He was not not kind of non-existent. Yeah. And it says, hey, that's his first, all the, you know, he gets all the grace and excuses and all that. It's not like, it's not like, um, a negative thing is just it, he need to get it more experience. Now he's confident. His teammates are confident. The organization is confident in him. So I think you've got a completely different player. You have a fourth star, a great defender, a guy who can hit the shots. You're totally confident now when he's remember when he first got here in that first year, when he was shooting threes, you're like, Oh boy. Remember it was like, I remember Brad saying, well, you know, he was 30% from the three in, in, from San Antonio. And San Antonio was like, well, Brad, like, how, how's that going to translate when he's not a really good three? Well, when he gets open looks, he's going to hit him. And then he didn't. And people, you know, I was like, okay. But now he's hitting them, right? Now he is a, a, a way better three-point shooter than that first year. And that's nothing, you're not, I'm not criticizing him or saying he's a bad, was a bad player. He just took time to get his comfort zone there. So I think, I mean, he it's like it's that's one of the biggest free agent pickups to me, uh trades that Brad has made to bring a guy in that pe- people really didn't know much about. Yeah. You know, and now look what he's done. He is all defense. A staple on this team. Yeah, it's 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 pretty hard to imagine a, a scenario in the near future where the Celtics will let him walk. Uh, if anything, you double down as best you can on a, having a guy like that around long term because he does so many little things that collectively add up to big wins. If you're the Boston Celtics, uh, his defense, his playmaking, uh, his overall just feel for the game, all those things come into play. Uh, for a guy who has really put his, his imprint on this team in a really short period of time uh, to the point where he's part of their core. Uh, if, if they're going to win a championship, they're going to need lots of different guys to step their game up, and Derek White is one of them for sure. All right, moving on to the rest of the league. The Timberwolves, best record in the West right now. Is it time to start the MVP conversation for the Ant-Man? Hell no. No. No, I love Ant Man. He's one of my favorite players to watch. Yeah, but I just think he hasn't quite done. He's off to a good start in this race for MVP, but I'm not ready to put him in the the pack of leaders. Uh, I'm not ready to talk about him and Giannis and Joel and Tatum and and those. He's close, but he ain't there yet. Hmm, Gary. Um. As long as they win, I think you have to the bet if he's the best player in the best team in the West, you, you gotta give him consideration. And I just think overall, no one expected much out of Minnesota. Nobody no if you said outside of Minneapolis, if you said, Oh, I think the Timberwolves will be one of the top four teams in the West, people would look at you like you was crazy. I yeah, mean, nobody down on the nobody, like nobody was nobody was talking about the Timberwolves in terms of what, everybody was talking about they're doing what people thought Memphis was going to do, right? right. right. They're, they've taken Memphis's spot 
in the top of the West, where Memphis is now back, probably headed for the lottery unless they make a tremendous run with Ja comes back and Marcus Smart and all the guys that got injured. They are in trouble. Minnesota, on the meanwhile, is playing better together. Look, Rudy Gobert is having a productive year. You know, people thought it was last year a disaster for him after that big trade from Utah. Yes, it was. It did, you know, but now he's fit into the offense. Carl Anthony Towns is taking kind of step back and let Ant-Man take over. Mike Connolly is just a, a complete professional and a steady presence at point guard. You know, Jay McDaniels is a, is a quality player. Like, they have a quality, you know, Kyle Anderson, slow-mo. Like, they have quality players. And I think people doubted Chris Finch as a coach, and he's finally stepped up and become, you know, the coach that people might have thought he was because I think people were looking at him like, okay, why did you get this job? And you're the same as you're the same as all the other guys in in Minnesota. Like you can't coach Ryan Saunders and some of these guys who who have failed miserably in the past. But I'm looking at Ant-Man's, you know, 26.2 points, six rebounds, five assists, 1.3 steals, and you can't, you know, argue with that. And we haven't talked about our friend Nas Reed, one of the best six man in the league. Um, you know, Nick. Oh boy, Nikhil Alexander Walker. Like they have a deep one thing that they have. They have a deep squad. Like they have a bunch of guys. If you look at you know, let's say Nikhil Alexander Walker, former the former Sixer, Shake Milton, Troy Brown, the former first round pick. Like they got guys who can play, right? So you have, I mean, you have ten deep like that. I mean, and it's and you could be you can you're gonna be successful. And Ant Man shooting thirty eight percent from three, you know, 47 percent from the field. I mean, you know, he is putting it on. So yes, I disagree with Sherrod. Thank goodness, um, he is a MVP candidate. Let's look at the worst team in the NBA right now, the Detroit Pistons. As of Wednesday, they say that one more time, Kwani. What team? Your your boys, Sherrod, <laughs> in Detroit. <laughs> what, what team? Yes, what team? Are you talking about? The Lions, I understand. <laughs> what Sherrod? What team is that? <laughs> He's Not quiet. The Bears. And, oh no! Don't don't do that. <laughs> And don't, for don't, the record, don't. two and fifteen makes sense when we're talking about my birthday, February fifteenth. But for a record, right now, yeah, I had to. I saw it. I was like, yeah, I'm going to talk about this. But are you trying to tell <laughs> us that we need to start shopping? Yeah, start planning for my birthday in February. <laughs> okay. But what's up with Detroit? Like they were this young, up and coming team, and then what happened? They were rebuilding. They looked. They were looking good, but. What's going on in Detroit? I feel so good about them the what, first What you think, Sherrod? What's going on, Sherrod? <laughs> they're struggling. They're just like like Cal Cubbies. They're struggling. 14 losses in a row, bro. 14 in a row. Oh, it's, it, it's, it, it's, it's been an absolute dumpster fire there, which is they too bad. They records for the wrong reasons. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, it's hard to put your finger on exact what it is because you can't blame injuries. Injuries, is, that's a factor, but that's not the reason why they're losing. They're just okay. not playing good basketball, and it just seems that for whatever reason, the team chemistry, the coaching, everything is off just a little bit. I mean, when they lost to Washington and they got spanked by Washington, yeah. that was when it's just like, okay, y'all, we need K. We we needed we needed. This is when those team meetings that you hear about. This is when you need to have a team meeting when you are on track to be the absolute worst team, not just in the NBA this year, but of all time. I still think that there's, there's plenty of time for them to at least be mediocrely bad, but right now they are historically bad. Get out of the historically bad column and just be a bad team. That's the goal now. Just be a bad team. Okay. There's a lot. A lot of problems. You got his hood stats. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. <laughs> I'm going to go Sherrod. First of all, First of all, <laughs> the, this is what happens when you think Drafting a bunch of lottery picks is going to build your franchise to a successful franchise. It doesn't always happen. For years, the Sacramento King, Kings did the same thing, right? You pump, you 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 put, 
pad a, a bunch of lottery picks, Demarcus and Tyreek Evans, and you you put all these guys together and think this is eventually they're going to learn and they're going to become a playoff team. Okay, Oklahoma City did it right when they had when they put Durant, Westbrook, and Harden, and they went to the finals. Not everybody can do that. Not thinking Detroit. If you look at this roster, it's something going on. A. Cunningham, number one overall pick. Jaden Ivey, top five pick. Jalen Duran, second year, a monster in the paint, top 10 pick. You know, Isaiah Stewart, first round pick. Asar Thompson, having a good rookie year. Marvin Bagley, remember him? He's on his damn team. The guy from Sacramento that the Kings took, Luca, uh, took him over Luca. James Wiseman, remember him? The number two overall pick from the Warriors once upon a time. He's not in the rotation. Like, how many young dudes can you – and then you, I ain't even talked about Isaiah Stewart. I ain't talked about kid Marcus Sasser who's having a good rookie year from Houston. Like, you got a bunch of kids on your team, and but you ain't got – one, you don't have a lot of veterans. Two, you just don't have a winning formula. Like, they're not sure of themselves. And that's what happens because Detroit did the whole, well, we're going to pad a bunch of, we're going to draft every year in the lottery. We're going to put a bunch of talented players together. And then you know what? It's no, it's not working. I don't know if Kay Cunningham can be your central figure of your franchise. One, I don't know yet. He was hurt all last year. He seems very steady, but is he the guy? Is he your Jason Tatum, right? Can you build around that? I don't know. Jalen, uh, I, Jaden Ivey, like he wasn't playing and now he's playing. So Monty Williams, and then you gave Monty Williams, and I like Monty, great yeah. coach. They gave him the 72 back. million, and he just got fired in Phoenix. He's been fired in New Orleans. I don't know if that was the answer. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that was the answer there. And I'm not saying Monty's, but some ain't right. And it's like you watch the game against Washington. I don't know if you did, Kwani, because, I mean, if you got a life, you didn't watch that damn game. I did. So it, it says a lot about me. Um, no, the, the, facts. facts. The Wizards were a better team. The Wizards, were, the Wizards who were bad right. were a much better team. That's like, they completely outplayed. It wasn't close. And it was, and it was you're saying to yourself, how bad can it get? In Detroit, a great basketball city. We all know the history. We all know some of the knucklehead beat writers they've had over the years. Mm-hmm. You know, I heard about them. oh yeah, we you know we all we all know about the, some of the beat guys. <laughs> they, they deserve a winner, but what is? I, I just think when you pile together all these lottery picks. And expect that that's going. And I don't know what Troy Weaver's doing. One of Sherrod, another Sherrod's buddies, Syracuse Leave guy, the guy who took, the guy who got Carmelo to go to Syracuse, so he can do never do any wrong in Sherrod's eyes. But if you have, I don't know what he's doing wrong, and whether it's lack of veterans. And I know Boyan Bogdanovic is is been out, and he's kind of like their vet. Mm-hmm. Something's got to change. Whether you got to trade some of these guys. Whether you like, you got to put him in situations. James Wiseman not playing is a problem. He's a number former number two. You got Marvin Bagley and James Wiseman, and neither of them dudes start. Bagley was a third pick. Mm-hmm. Wiseman was a second pick because Jalen Duran came on was like, oh, I'm taking all y'all's minutes. So you got two dudes who are literally 22, 23 on the bench sitting there like rotting. Like you got to move them, maybe for a veteran. You got to get older because how long are you gonna develop? Five more years? Because it's this is a been a five year plan. We year seven on the five year plan. I mean, I was talking with somebody yesterday, um, our friend Suichi Tahada, who's a Detroit native, and he was talking about when they drafted Andre Drummond back in 2011 or 10 and how he was supposed to be the truth. Andre is, thir- Andre is 13th year now. That's a long time ago. Like, you know, like, and the Pistons ain't won, ain't won since out. then. Ain't won since then. Ain't won since Sherrod left. That's been a minute. That's been a minute, 2009. So, 
what that's almost 15 years. Like, what can you do? Like, I I'm I feel sad for the Detroiters, for the real hoop fans out there. They got to look to Michigan and Michigan State because the pro team ain't doing nothing. And I don't know what to say because it's not like they're they're throwing a bunch of trashy dudes. Like they're young and they got talent. What's going on? You tell me, Sherrod. Well, part I mean, part of the problem is that they've just they've had multiple misses in the draft. And the, the blueprint that Troy is working with is the same blueprint that he was accustomed to work with when he was with OKC. I mean, this is the same dude that convinced them to draft some cat named Russell Westbrook when there are folks who were kind of shaky on that dude. And that was a Hall of Fame decision. He's tried to, he's tried to basically uh, do the same thing in Detroit, but it's just not working. Uh, and part of it is that I think they drafted the wrong guys. Part of it is guys have taken longer to develop than they should. And a big part of the problem for up until I think they got Monty was I don't think they necessarily have the, the type of coaches that were going to get the most out of those guys. I mean, think about it. You know, our, our, our guy, uh, uh, Casey, um, Casey, great guy. Dwayne Casey, great guy. But there's a reason why Toronto wanted Chip that low-key no one really wants to talk about. They got rid of Dwayne Casey. And Dwayne had taken that team as far as they could go, and it was clear that he wasn't going to develop them anymore. And in Detroit, it just never – he never got to the point where they were even being developed to where they were respectable. They were just a bad team, a young kid just running around. You know, and, and they never – That's the sad part, Sherrod, when you bad and young. If you yes. bad, you got a bunch of, like, old dudes, okay. When like, you're right. bad and young and you don't see no hope – That's the problem. Like, you know, like what Tupac said, there ain't no hope for the future. Like, you know, like, like you know – so well, you go to Tupac reference. I, I would see a Tupac reference and go back saying. to Sweat because something ain't right. Yeah. How's that? Sweat. Uh, something, 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 something just ain't right. Yeah, that is very true. Just make a Spotify playlist for that team. <laughs> yes. Oh, goodness. What Pac said, the truth is ain't no hope for the future. Like, mm. When you get when you got bad young guys or you got a bad team in a book, like you ain't there's no hope. It's not like, well, they're playing hard every night and they're, they're but they're losing because that's a, the step. They already went through those steps. Like bad teams lose close games, right? They learn, they find a way to lose, but you see the potential. That's eventually, not eventually they're gonna win these. Look at look at uh, look at our friends down south in Orlando. Remember how they were getting pounded and lose? They're losing close games. I remember talking to Jamal Mosley, like, how do you get your guys not to get used to losing? Because that's the whole thing. These dudes is living the life. They making money. They traveling on first class. They eating. They eating scrimps and steaks and all that. You know, they they, they getting it in. So it's like, <laughs> good. So they're looking at. They're living the life. So. When they lose, it's like on to the next. How do you take guys, young guys, and not get them used to losing? Because that's how you have a losing culture. And he was just like, you got to stress to them winning. And now this year, Orlando's like winning. Like they're like, we're tired of losing. We are going into every game, feel like we can win every night. And that's what you have to do. And it was a process. They had to fire some coaches. They had to make some real changes in Orlando, give away some guys. You know, um, they gave away Vuce, you know, like they, they've had to, you know, they, they had to make some changes. But Orlando's finally clicked in. Detroit was their rebuild, if I'm not mistaken, Shirai started before Orlando's. So it's like it, the same thing ain't happening. You don't see the hope. <laughs> there ain't no hope for the future. God bless Pac. Like um, it's it's you don't see it. And that's the sad, that's the hardest part. Like we're talking about the Bulls, the Bulls are a bunch of veterans who have given up. That's bad. Right? That's it's time for them to go young. But when the Pistons are young and there ain't no hope, there ain't no, you don't see the potential, that's I don't know what to do with that. Like, I'm not sure what they you trade all the young guys. You I think you gotta part ways, like. Killian, I'm not gonna kill you, Hayes. I didn't even mention Killian Hayes, seventh overall pick. Like, 
you got you have to do something with some of the guys in that locker room and go, okay, we're gonna have to risk you might it might work for you somewhere else. We need to get some we need to get some vets in here. Well, that was depressing. Let's Thanks, close Carol. that on. <laughs> Let's close out on a high note. What should we close out with? Yeah, what are you looking forward to over the next week? What's that? What are you looking forward to this week? This week or next week? Sixers game. Okay. Sixers. I'm looking forward to it. We're looking forward to the what? The Sixers game. So oh, okay. Still Friday. All right, Gary. That's the game before the play. Gary already got his ticket booked to Vegas. Yeah, I'm looking. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm right, thinking about right. Indiana. I'm thinking about Indiana. I'm sorry. Yeah, in beating the boys do come in on Friday. That would be a good, good ball game. Say, I'm good just going to for Vegas. That's 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 all. Right. No, I'm looking forward to the Sixers game because I I do think that that team is a likely foe that the Celtics will see in the first or second round of the playoffs. Uh, I I think that they're scrappy. They're they're. Doc Rivers, in terms of all-time wins, ranks among the all-time greats. But, but here we go, but, here we go. But, but I think right now what you're seeing in Philadelphia is a better, I think, connectivity between head coach and star player. Um, but, because Sherrod, what's the other thing that is a common in Philadelphia that wasn't there last year, that was there last year that's not there now? Is there someone who's not there that <laughs> might have something to do with that? Go ahead. I'm just asking. That's part of it, Gary. Part of it. <laughs> I'm going to give Nick Nurse his props, because I think Nick Nurse has done a good job with, with what he's had to work with. And more importantly, to Gary's point, what he doesn't have to work with. Uh, they're playing, I think, as close to their potential, I think, as almost any team in, in the East right now. Uh, I don't think there are too many levels that they can go up from where they're right now. Because right now, they're like a top three, top four team in the East, and I don't see their ceiling being much higher than that. And that's great. That's a great test for the Celtics at this point in the season because the Celtics, they need to get into a rhythm of being at their best. Like the way they dismantle Chicago, that's what you do to bad teams. But you need to have that same edge, that same nastiness, that same killer in you when you play a team like Philly. Philly is a team that, again, if you're playing at your best, they're playing at your best if you're the Celtics, you should win that game by 10, 15 points. And that, to me, is, is, a, is a good test for them going forward at this point, particularly before that, the playing term. Because the point that you made, Gary, about what happened, you know, when they played Indiana earlier, don't be surprised if Neesmith has, like, the best game he's ever had in his life. Would not shock anyone. And if you're the Celtics, you need a nice tune-up to have that type of edge. Whether you win or beat Philly, that's still going to be a game that's going to force you to play your best in order to win, or at least close to your best to win. Yeah. And they need that now. So I'm looking forward to that game, see how they handle that. Okay, okay. Before we wrap, I want to note that we're all wearing hoodies, which is super cool. And mine says Boston College. What that mean? Wow. Let me guess. Yours is BU. No, it's just red. Really? Who no, just wears a red sweatshirt? Uh, what is that? It's just red. It's a, it's a company that I'm not going to say the name. Oh, wow. Yeah, you're not sponsored. I do what do you wear here? Gary, what what's on yours? Oh, Cal. The Bow Bound California Golden Bears. The Bow Bound California Bears. Yes. We we're going to a bowl too. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to a bowl. Huh? That's not called the toilet. BC BC Kwani better have her ass in the cold in Fenway Park at Fenway Park Bowl. If you don't aren't there, you are not a real fan. So let us know how it is when it's 22 degrees in Fenway when they're playing when they're playing Iowa State. Let us know. The last bowl I went to was a pinstripe bowl. Send us us pictures. (laughs) Nah. We'll see. We'll see. I I should be a little more loyal to my college athletics, but I'm planning to go to the And you know that great BC band's going to be playing, too. See, now you've you've crossed the line. That was a very sensitive (laughs) issue that we will not further discuss on this episode. But until next week, thank you all for listening. You still got a band, Gary? I thought BC, I thought they disbanded the band. They still got one? Come on. <laughs> it's not fair, all right? It's the not Detroit fair. Pistons of bands, Gary. Kwani, the Detroit Pistons of college bands. Kwani was there. She was embarrassed when they played it. I was like, Kwani, this is you? <laughs> this your peoples? <laughs> can't even think of this, babe. She can't even defend them, Gary. <laughs>
Gary, it's just like you got me. <laughs> right. Quaddy, Quaddy's issue. It was uh, no, no. I, like what? In their defense, it was an indoor arena. Y'all couldn't get NCA and T or Grambling or Southern or Fan. Hey, we are not in an HBCU or like any school in the South, really. Got to get the nearest HBCU and bring them up here. That didn't work out well at all. I, you know what? I'm gonna go cry now and recover from that low blow. But until then, until next week, we want to thank you all for listening to the Big Three NBA podcast. For Aisha Blakely and Gary Washburn and me and my BC Eagles, we appreciate you guys for listening, watching, and of course, we'll be back next week.